Roxo Media House. Well, hey, Godfather's Jim Trestle. Jim right. Trestle? Are you serious? My brother's Godfather's Mike Ditka. Welcome back to Fortitude. I am JW. That is Brenton. Uh, thank you for joining us. Season two is still in effect. Uh, thank you, Captex Bank, for making all this possible for us. Mike Thomas, we know you're out there doing some banking work today, but uh, don't waste too much time uh, listening to our show. But thanks for taking care of us in yeah. Texas. Thanks, Mike Thomas. <laughs> Uh, our our guest today, Brenton. I'm psyched. This this Check guy this, out, this man. guy's badass. I know. Listen to what I fa- <laughs> listen to what I found. <laughs> this is the guy, right? This is the guy. Charlie Pride. Same, Charlie same, Pride. Same but different. What? So we have a guy. His name is a little bit different. Charlie Price. Oh, jeez. But it's cl- I, I, we, we get what you're going with that. So. Charlie Price, thank you for being here, man. Thank you for yeah. having me, guys. Charlie what a, is what a pleasure. Charlie I got is the some applause coming your way. He <laughs> is the owner and the founder of Charlie and Co. Um, salon here, Dallas. Where else? Austin. Austin as well. And this guy, this guy knows a thing or two about what he's doing. He's actually a really good, a good dude. Got a really cool story, and we're gonna dive right in. Charlie, thanks Love again that. for being here. You are a Pittsburgh uh, person, grew up, born and raised Pittsburgh. Yeah. You have some Italian roots, yeah. and you're some football in your background you just shared with us. Mm-hmm. Tell a us about, all about your background. Well, number one, thanks for having me. This yeah, is thanks for quite being the here. set, quite the production. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, as a young boy, I just found a knack for getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I was raised by a single mom. And I had a, I had an amazing, I had an amazing dad, but a horrible father. And my mother raised us, my uh, younger brother and I were Irish twins, so we're 11 months apart. But from a very young age, I was warned away from the barbershop. Don't go near the barbershop. Oh, really? And we walked to and from school and, you know, I ended up going by the barbershop. And it was always a place that was just attractive, filled with, filled with guys, camaraderie. And, you know, at that time, my father was coaching football. And they were, he was at uh, Youngstown State. Um, And so dad was away. So, you know, there really wasn't an authoritative figure. And mom worked four jobs. He's got the the ashtrays in the chairs Uh, at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. It was was one of the best parts about it. Yeah. Smoke cigarettes. That's what what the image coming to me. Yeah. Um, And I just, I fell in love with the camaraderie of just a bunch of guys, you know, working in a place. Um, (laughs) Now, Granted, it was it in my eyes at 14 years old. It was a was a functioning barbershop, but it was a obviously a, a, a mob front as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it wasn't it wasn't that comes later. But um, it was the camaraderie and the it, the community. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed being a part of something. Where mm-hmm. at home I really wasn't a part of anything. It was kind of a little bit of a dysfunctional family, so yeah. it was nice to just have something to be a part of. And I just loved being in the salon. Um, did they like having shop. you around? Like did they, they did. I was yeah. just I was the little go getter. Yeah. You know, if you needed something, I yeah. ran and got it. If you you know needed this or needed that, it Get was uh, another pack of yeah, cigarettes, it just, Charlie. It was perfect having <laughs> yeah. Charlie around. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. Uh, and then as I started actually training in the aspect of. Of, of removing hair i'm not even going to say haircutting or barbering but uh you know it was just removing hair they taught me how to do a straight blade shave 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was the first thing I did. And I can remember at like 16, 17 years old. I was Back of the neck or f- for full? No full kidding. Face. Seven strokes. Master Barber can do a full did face. You, did you ever strokes. have a little uh, learning curve snafu? Shape? Uh, yeah, but you learned on balloons. Okay. You put whipped cream oh, wow. on balloons. And, That's interesting. And the joke is that you could never put a razor blade onto a balloon without it popping in your face. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like the right to pass. So how many uh, pops went uh, down? Every single one of them. Oh, every, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then somebody yeah. told you it's like impossible. You can't do it. But yeah. The funny part is, is the shaving cream goes all over your face. Uh, and yeah, you yeah, look yeah. Like a fool and it makes a big <laughs> pop. And yeah. You know. Before we move and on. Charlie was initiated yeah. into the barber shop. Right, yeah. And here I am. Mm-hmm. Before we move on into your career, um, yeah. you told us just prior to the show starting, you, you played some football yourself. But you have a interesting godfather story and I, your brother's godfather. I did, yeah. Our entire family, um, uh, like I said, from Western Pennsylvania, and my father coached a high school football team in Western Pennsylvania, and um, under that umbrella was uh, Dave Wanstad, Mike Ditka, uh, Mike Holgram, uh, Jim Tressel, and these guys became godfathers. Um, to I'll tell you sister. who they are later, Brent. Yeah, I know uh, some uh, of those went names. Went on to have just amazing careers. My father was an offensive line coach. Um, so he was just kind of a guy that uh, ended up in uh, with a high school football team, then moved on to Youngstown State, Notre Dame, and then followed Mike to mm-hmm. um, the Chicago Bears. But he was just, you know, he was the coach that was in the press box. He was always mm-hmm. worked with the big guys. And, right. You know, that was his thing. So, you know, in those days, whenever dad had us on the weekends and dad was coaching, it was, you know, son, just sit here and I would just be in the film room. And this is back yeah. long before you could PowerPoint film. Right. And it was just the old VCR, you know, oh, re- yeah. uh, <laughs> rewind, fast forward, rewind, fast forward. Yeah. So, you know, knows the drill. I, I like to some think I'm the only like hairdresser <laughs> in the world that has, has forgotten more about football than most head coaches know, sure. just because I was just enthralled with it. And yeah. whenever you're built into the obviously the offensive schematic of Mm -hmm. the game it's built on the offensive line so it's something with me that football has always been a passion of mine and then obviously Mm. growing up in pittsburgh i still bleed black and gold right you know yeah it's a it's a drinking town with a football problem yeah so um you know i just i loved that aspect of it i just didn't like the school aspect of it i was an amazing athlete and i think i still have the high jump record in western pennsylvania uh in the eighth grade i did track for the local high school and um i loved athletics i loved basketball baseball anything with the ball but it was just the school part yeah yep. never really clicked. yeah did so. you like the camaraderie of the barber shop better or the like the team kind of like thing of just what you were a part of with your dad? you know i think in little league and you know as we grew up through peewee and all of that um you know it was resemblant to my childhood because i was placed in a room full of men mm-hmm you know, it was just, okay, here you're in a room full of men and it's a, a football team and a bunch of coaches and trainers, yeah. so on and so forth. So later in life, whenever the barbershop and the salon, um, obviously now my, my life is surrounded by women, so it's a completely opposite, polar opposite. But the barbershop was kind of that, that feel that maybe I was looking for when I was, yeah. when mm-hmm. I was younger. So yes, alluding to the team aspect very mm-hmm. much so. When it feels you, like a barbershop around here sometimes. Sometimes or it is. Room. Sometimes JW it is. and all his buddies. Charlie, when did you know you were good at the hair salon component? When did you realize you had a talent for it? Did that come later on? or uh, Owning and operating hair salons or, or being a hairdresser? Being a hairdresser. Oh, that was something that, um, you know, I was a young, young straight kid, and I found out that I could work with women. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, sure, I'll work yeah. with girls. Like well, some this. of your some of your people you've mentored you and have helped you get oh. to where you are, it's, the list is incredible. So you first trained with Vidal Sassoon. Yeah. Uh, how, how did this go down? You know, Sassoon was... Um, when he was uh, obviously Europe, or not obviously, but he was a European-based hairdresser, and he had uh, salons in Paris and in London. And when he first moved um, to North America, he opened a school in uh, Santa Monica, California. But he had a school in, or he had salons in Canada. So that's where I did my training was okay. in Canada with him, and uh, later on to go to New York and work at his um, Midtown salon. Were you? Did you? Were you like? Okay, you got the barbershop thing, and then you're like, okay, this is the obvious next step. How did that come um, about? Giuseppe Cardamone, the guy that owned the barbershop, um, kind of put me in front of Vidal. He kind of placed okay. me there. He told me, you know, this is where we'll get the training. This is how we'll, you know, mitigate into more growth for you to become successful outside of working with, yeah. with men, yeah. what we do every day. Yeah. And you've had a couple of, I mean, that... The, Vidal Sassoon just scratches the surface, but one of your friends and mentors is Chris McMillan, uh, who's a legendary hairdresser. He's credited with the Rachel from Friends. I mean, mm -hmm. how does this how does this guy come into your life? You know, Chris came Chris came into my life um, as as a lot of my uh, friends and or closest friends and acquaintances have is through sobriety. Whenever I got sober, or was trying to get sober, mm -hmm. um, Chris was sober, and you know, in Beverly Hills, it was like Chris had the only. <laughs> you know like sober salon yeah you know and in order to work with chris you had to so i got to know chris through other friends and um yeah i mean not only is he you know a, a friend and a mentor and a huge component to my growth um you know there's so many people out there that i accredit uh my success to today that if i didn't follow the path that they paved you yeah, know, I don't know where I would be at today. Yeah. So Rihanna, Rihanna Capri, Nikki Rihanna Lee, Nikki. Rodney Cutler, Laurent Duforg. Yeah. I mean, those are some some big names, and obviously you're one of these. You're in the same category, which is a I, testament to what I, you've done. I hope to be in the same category. You know, these guys are. You know, Laurent is uh, old school. Um, I remember when I was, I think, 15 years old when I went to New York City for the first time. I stood outside of his salon and uh, on West Broadway and just stared at it and thought maybe one day, and then. You know, fast forward 10 years, I'm in Paris with Laurent and mm -hmm. enjoying time with his family in Paris. And, you know, it's kind of a pinch yourself, but uh, it took a lot of hard work to get there. And yeah, I laid the, the groundwork was laid. I just had to do the work for sure. When did you when did you start uh, your first salon that was just yours? You know, I moved uh, when I moved to Texas. I've been here now. Uh, I've been here 13, 14 years. I'm um, not from Texas, but I got here as fast as I could. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so it was uh, one of those things where I moved here and I really didn't have a place to work. There was no groundwork laid for me. Um, Were you coming from California? You're like, I'm out. No, I, I was just... coming from New York. Okay. Um, you just burned out? Yeah, I was. I was Sober I was at there? The end, no, I was at the end of my heroin addiction. Okay. I was, you know, at the end. I was just at the end. Good time to move. I yeah. was at the end and uh, a friend of mine was working on Wall Street and he was moving his fund here. And it was just the, the perfect opportunity for me to just hop in with him and yeah. ended up in Texas. Ended up in Dallas and I didn't know anybody here. Um, and I just figured if I can make it in New York City, I'll make it. Sure. Anywhere. And... So I moved here without a place to work or without a place to call home, but I knew that I had the hustler's background. And, you know, if my mother taught me anything, she taught me how to work hard. Yeah. And I knew that I could 
work hard and I, I knew that uh, I would find my way as long as I was just given a demographic and I was placed in Dallas, Texas. And I realize now, my God, what the, the perfect demographic for me to end up in. Did you open a place right there? Or I did, did. did you didn't go work anywhere? You're like, no, I, can, I, I didn't. Can. I was just, yep. I couldn't find a place that yeah. was me. So, um, eighth grade education, um, no high G, school GED from jail. Um, only like, sober salon in Dallas at the time. Uh, yeah, because it was just me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I never, you know, I never imagined it would turn into what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, opened a, a salon in an apartment, just leased an apartment for six months. Success or, immediately, or was it a lot of hard work? Uh, obviously, it's hard work, but it was. It was. It was getting my name out there, but then it started to catch fire of who I was and then the accredited. Um, resume that I had, right? You know that I wasn't just a kid that was cutting hair in an apartment. I actually worked, you know, twelve seasons at uh, Milan, Paris, and New York Fashion Week, and yeah. I was working with um, celebrities at the time and had, you know, different outlets. And I knew the Chris McMillans, the Laurent Forks, and I knew the Kylie Jenners before they were who they are today, mm-hmm. um, social media icons. But it was it was that that kind of catapulted. You know, and I opened in the worst location possible. Um, Hair by Charlie was on the seventh floor of the Masons building, which was literally right next door to the Dallas County Courthouse. Oh, wow. So it was the police and lawyers. (laughs) Yeah. And then this the Masonic when it used to be unionized, Mm -hmm. it was the Masons building. So just rented a little room, probably about not even half the size of this and no phone. Um, the elevator when I was on the seventh floor, yeah. the elevator went to six and then you had to walk up another. <laughs> so I made myself completely and utterly unobtainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Dallas women loved it. It worked, right? <laughs> they wanted that to go awesome. somewhere yeah. where nobody else knew. And now it was with like, the, w- with that, did, does it, is it like a, the best kept secret? Like, Hey, where do you get your haircut? And it's like, I'm not telling you because uh, it's my secret. It looks pretty. How does that? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know. If there's one thing I know about my business, I mean, in the world today, it's different working with a team of 42 young hairdressers. It's kind of teaching this dog, meaning I, new tricks. Mm-hmm. But back when I was building my business, I mean, it was business cards and hustle, you know, and that was it, where the power of word of mouth was just so right. uh, infectious. Yeah. And yeah. as soon as there was one, it was like this guy, he works at this, you know, apartment that you can't find. Yeah. And, you know, here's here's his website. Yeah. And it was like make the unobtainable obtainable and all of a sudden it just mm-hmm. one turned into two and two turned into twelve and twelve turned into twenty four. And yeah. do you does the fact I can notice you have like quite a mane under that hat. Oh yeah. Does that may be more helpful than this? Like if I was to go to people and say, <laughs> I'm a really accomplished hairdresser and it's like, Well, look at what you what you're toting around. Like that's you know that's that's it no was, good. It man. was it was uh I'm when I moved here from New York I literally had the Guido. Like I was just bald fade yeah you know i wore the rope chain with the cru- with the crucifix on it yeah. i mean yeah. i looked as yeah. i mean i yeah. looked as jersey as you could yeah um <laughs> and it wasn't until my first business mentor he told me he's like he saw a picture of my <laughs> hair like when parts, i ha- when i had hair <laughs> and he said i'm just gonna give you your million dollar idea i was mm. like what he said 
grow your hair fucking hair out. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> grow, grow, grow your good, dick hair out. Yeah. 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 Um, and I did, and I was like, oh, this. Uh, it was a thing. Yeah. You know, it was. Yeah. It, it did turn yeah. into this yeah. thing, guy, <laughs> person. Yeah. yeah. So around this town, Fort Worth specifically, uh, uh, literally, I know there's a lot of salons, a lot of places, a lot of options. I don't know many people that don't go to your salon or to you specifically. It's funny. My, I think everybody in my family and my friend circle knows you or knows somebody in your salon that it's incredible you have you have a vast reach in this town so great job there your list of clients uh i don't know if they're all still current but list kendall jenner Gigi hadid Charlize theron i mean are these still clients no 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 Good. these you are pronounce, these, do you pronounce theron that way is it theron theron, or theron? Okay. theron just checking theron. thank you for correcting <laughs> um, me you're no, still back on are, i mean that was part of my celebrity clientele that whenever i was uh, you know working fashion week i was being booked with them yeah and whatever shows they were working on okay. you know here's the thing about our industry i mean it's everybody has the check mark next to their name as celebrity hairdresser mm. well it's like okay i you know walked past um Kendall Jenner in the bathroom one day so now all of a sudden she's a client oh. yeah. you know it's like yeah you know but have I worked with them have I touched their hair have I yes I yeah. have yeah but do I still no they have 25 hairdressers at beck and call no right, right. the last person they need is some guy in Dallas Texas to take care of them however Fair. it is fun that still when people come into town that uh, Charlie does get reached out to I remember one of the one of the coolest ones was one of my good friends was the stylist for Stylist meaning clothing stylist. Okay. For Motley Crue, and Motley Crue and Alice Cooper were coming to Dallas, and they said, "Well, Charlie's in Dallas. Have him called so that they called my uh, at that time. I still had a uh, representation with an agent. They called my agent and said, you know, go meet with them. Well, I was, I mean, I was so stoked. Yeah. I mean, I've worked yeah. with some great people, but I get yeah. to work with Motley yeah. Crue. Yeah. Vince. It was fantastic. Doing the girls, girls, girls tour or something, Absolutely. huh? Yep. But then I get there and I realize, okay, number one, they don't stay in hotels. What do they say? They hate one another. They have four different tour buses. Mm. It's got <laughs> oh, that GNR wow. vibe I mean, going. You, you think, yes. like, listen, mm -hmm. these guys have toured together for, what, 36, 37 years? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they probably are, you know, they, the candles burn yeah. at both ends. Uh, so I get there, and Tommy's in one, Vince is in another, and then Alice Cooper's in another. But uh, but yeah, it's still nice to be the kid in Texas that, you know, has that background. Yeah. But is it current? No. Right now, it's all about team. It's all about building a brand and maintaining and sustaining a brand. Um, Fort Worth has been absolutely incredible for us. This was our uh, second location outside of Dallas. Um so what was it? Did you? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, please. But I want. I'm just wanted to go. I don't want to get too far ahead, so we can go and find out how. Was it a visit to Fort Worth, and it's like, man, maybe there's something here. I'm living in Dallas, or what? Or is it totally by design? Like this I is never stepped foot in Fort Worth. Fort Worth. I never went north of Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just um, a girl that worked for me. She started her career with me. She was from. Um, she grew up in Mansfield, and my understanding is when you grow up in the mid cities you favor either Fort Worth or Dallas. Mm -hmm. Well, Lauren um, Fahar, um, she wanted something more for her career than what Arlington was giving her. So she decided to move to Dallas. And she moved to Dallas, and she worked for me for eight years as a hairdresser. And this girl, I mean, from the day she started, she just needed the confidence boost mm -hmm. that I could give her. But from the moment she started, this girl was just like, 
she was just the most naturally gifted hairdresser mm. and just absolutely kick ass. Yeah. And she reminded me of women that I worked with in, you know, all over the world. And it was just like this, this young girl. And she was just, she was so talented. So we nurtured her and we built her up and she built herself and she turned into this incredible artist. Well, Lauren was, you know, she lived in Fort Worth for the last two years that she worked for me. And it was, um, you know, I didn't want to lose her. I felt like I was going to lose her and she was commuting from Fort Worth to Dallas every day. And it was, uh, finally her and I just had a moment where it was like, do we just, let's open a salon in Fort Worth. Yeah. And you, you, mm-hmm. you do it, you know, where, where she had the Charlie and company culture instilled in her mm-hmm. that I felt really comfortable saying, okay, go operate this. Yeah. So what did I know about Fort Worth? Nothing. You know, anytime I still come out here, I like to come out and be 15, 10, 15 minutes early so I can get lost. So mm-hmm. I can make a right on Lancaster instead of a left to go down South Main, you yeah. know, just to find, yeah. see a little area or a juncture yeah. that is new to me. Um, and this, uh, and, and it was, it was one of those things I, I say when people ask me how I was starting a business in Fort Worth or how was it opening a second location, I often refer to the film um, Armageddon. No. Independence Day mm-hmm. with Will Smith. Yeah. And they're in the spaceship and they're trying to get through the force field. And finally they get one bullet through and it blows up the force field. And that was for infiltrating Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. For the first two years, it was kind of like, oh man, is this going to take off? Like, yeah. where are these people? Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. people here. And then it was, as soon as we got in with some, some folks and some families, it just word of mouth just kept going and going and going. And now... Uh, we just moved our to a new location, um, and I, it's just been awesome being this being our second location. And Lauren still operates and runs it, and she's a boss babe and oh, just yeah. killing it. So it's it's a lot of fun. And then you hands on and run the one in Dallas, or no? You've I like, do. Yeah, I'm in the uh, Dallas salon uh, every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I see clients three times a, three time uh, three days a week. Yeah. Um, and then I'm out in Fort Worth on uh, Thursdays, just you know, meeting our Fort Worth team and you know, training and, and, and that aspect. And then what about in Austin? Austin, I'm there once a month. Okay. So we go down. Uh, my I have a team of assistants that travel with me, so we head down to Austin uh, once a month and cater to our San Antonio, Houston, and Austin clients. Where Where's the location approximately down there? And like, how did that come about? Uh, it's on the east east side of Austin mm-hmm. right now. It's just a pop up location. We're hope hoping to have a full fledged uh, building down there in the next in the next year. Yeah. Um, it's been good. But Fort Worth and Dallas have kept us. Yeah. Really busy. And then yeah. when we go to Austin, it's just, you know, 16 hour days, oh, right. you know, taking care of as many women as we can. How many people do you work with? I mean, how many people are employed with by Charlie and Co? We have 43. 43? Yeah, we have 43 staff members. Incredible. How many clients would you say? Is that a number you know of clients of the whole of the whole company? Oh, God. Um, I know today in Dallas there were 119 in. So if. I would times that by five operating days. I would say 500 clients a week. Um, Fort Worth kind of maybe falling just a little bit behind that, but not far. How does that work? Like you, if I come in, I'm like, hey, I, I want to I have experience cutting hair clearly because you're established and you have the background you do. But then is it, let me see what you, how do you do that? Like, I mean, yeah. on the job interview, kind of like show me what you got or what's your, is it based on? I'm glad you asked that question. You know, one thing that's built into our culture and into our, in, into our team at Charlie and Company is that we don't hire hairdressers. Mm-hmm. So we hire kids right out of beauty school. 
It was, oh. a, it was a business model that we changed to about five years ago, and it was the best decision I've ever made, but it was I just put everything on the line. Basically, I put all my cards on the table, and I said, everybody's fired. I'm going to start from scratch. And We wanted to bring in, in kids right out of beauty school, and we wanted to train them and build them into our culture. Mm -hmm. um, in the creative world, you have a lot of ego, and that ego is very infectious to mm -hmm. an, anything above or below it, and we wanted everybody to be equal. Mm -hmm. So the team that we have now, although it's young, it's, it's, it's a team that has been creatively touched by Lauren and myself and then our team that has come before them as well. Yeah. So that's the really, that was the catalyst that really catapulted us into being, we're the bar. You know, yeah. Charlie and Company is the bar. Wherever we open, we will be the bar. And yeah. the reason I say that we're the bar is because we're placing it. But you're not gonna get you're not gonna get to the bar because we have another group and another team that are mm -hmm. coming in behind that that right. are learning mm -hmm. and and educating and still teaching me. Shit, I've been doing this. This is year twenty six, and I mean, I work with the young girls all the time, and I mean, they're they're teaching me more than I'm teaching them. Still love it though. I mean, that's the biggest thing about it. I mean, a lot of people have different definitions for success, but my definition of success is waking up every day and doing what you love. Yeah. And, awesome. you know, if you can do those, if you can do that, then I believe, I don't believe there's any better how, yeah. goal. How would you describe your leadership style? Because um, you empower people, no doubt, to, yeah, do, to do their best. I, leadership style, it, 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 it starts with a vision. Everybody has to be on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from my mother showing me what work ethic looked like. Right. So you, nobody just gets. you got to work to get. She was a single mom, right? Single so mom, raised four kids, worked four, yeah. four jobs. Yeah. So, so I knew what the definition of work and, and, and mm -hmm. I knew how to. And then, you know, later in life, I became a drug dealer. So I knew if I wasn't out on the block, then, you know, I wasn't yeah. going to, yeah. you know. But. I, I would say it's it's an, I I've I'm filled with empathy, so that's the first word that came to my mind. And the reason when you said what's your leadership style, I would probably say it's empathetic, mm -hmm. in a sense of I don't want anybody to ever have to do what I had to do to get to where I'm at. Mm -hmm. But if you want to follow in my shoes, you're going to have to do what I did. Yeah, you know. So not everybody has to do to do what the hell I did. Yeah, but. I have enough experience that I can show you along the way mm -hmm. an easier, softer way yeah. as opposed to going through the gauntlet like yeah. I did. So, you, I mean, there's that technical aspect, obviously, because of your, your list of clientele, but how much of that camaraderie, like how much of that barbershop are you bringing into kind of the emotional? Because I've got to think that's a pretty key component to having people in there and getting them back. Obviously, the finished product is really good, but but how much is that that kind of vibe when you're in there? You know, you want your customer to feel good and, and taken care of in there. And how much of that would you say was drawn or was that just an experience in life that provided you a, 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 like a door open for I that? I mean, again, I'll put all my cards out there and tell you there's there's two dozen kids or kids. There's 200. I mean, there's two dozen men and women that work for me that can. I mean, that are far more creative and skilled than I was at their age. 99% mm -hmm. um, of my business is relationship. 99.9% mm -hmm. .9 of my business is bullshit. 
Yeah. You know, people <laughs> love banter. They love a relationship. Um, you know, I've had some women that I've been working with, you know, for 15 years. And, yeah. you know, I, I've worked with them through marriage, through divorce, through kids, through ups, through downs. You know, that relationship that's built with people is priceless. Mm -hmm. Just so happens that I give a really good haircut in, yeah. the, in that in the meantime, okay. or I do really nice color in the meantime. <laughs> but it's a relationship driven business, mm -hmm. just like anything is. It doesn't matter. You know, we're kind of getting out into the other world of, you know, virtual and social media and this, that and the other, where it's just kind of losing the realm of I told you that I opened my businesses off word of mouth only, mm -hmm. you know, Instagram and Facebook weren't. I mean, MySpace was around, but yeah. Um, you still have a MySpace page, J-Dub? I got rid of it last week. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of your videos you put out there. I'm <laughs> just totally kidding, Charlie. I'm <laughs> kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. But, but, not re but not really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> About your Instagram, uh, one of your one of your really fine people is Ryan Castle. Who, uh, I know you're a fan of this guy. God. He told me fan. the story that you found him on Insta, DM'd him, and he, that's how you found him. Yeah. He also shared that this is this is no this is supporting the point you just made. Who is he? Who, who is he? He works with 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 Charlie at, at yeah, Charlie. Ryan's one of our OGs. He was with us the day that we opened the Fort Worth location. Okay, mm -hmm. so he told he told me that in the five years that I guess he's been around more than that, but five years you've lost three people, which is fantastic. That just shows that you're, whatever you're doing there, people are not wanting to leave. They're not using you as a springboard. They're they're there and they're happy in their environment. And that's that's a that's a pretty awesome testament. Yeah, it is. It's nice to hear Ryan say that too, because um, he, pay, he I, paid me. He's exactly right. There <laughs> are three girls that uh, that that left uh, that left us under their power, and you know, to be quite honest, I, I I I love when people leave to do something great or do something better. But you know, I have a really hard time with accepting where I take a personal relationship with my team is a lateral move. You know, if yeah. you're if you're a banker and you're working at you know jp morgan and you just moved to fidelity it's like well what why'd you do that that was dumb we can we yeah. can work this out but the the ones that have left have opened uh two two of the girls that work for me opened a new salon in fort worth they just opened so i'm super stoked for them really proud of them um there's no animosity like mm -hmm. i said again when you have the confidence that i have in my team in saying that we're the bar you just have to we're just going to keep raising it. Yeah. It's, it's a good feeling to have to know that your team feels the same. Right. And we, we want the most for our team. Um, this isn't, you know, Charlie's uh, again, if this was a get rich quick scheme, I would not be owning hair salons. I guarantee it. Yeah. Um, I do it because I love watching growth. I yeah. love watching Ryan start with us six years ago having, I don't know. I think Ryan might've had a dozen clients and now, I mean, how I hope my entire it, family it, it, in exactly. circle. I mean, it's like the kid has just grown yes, he's, so he's well, immensely, awesome. not only as a hairdresser, but as a man. You know, he's gotten married. He's had just had his baby. Um, to watch growth mm -hmm. in a human being, mm -hmm. there's no commas or zeros attached to that, boys. You yeah. know, there's nothing better than bringing a young woman or a young man as a part of and just watching them grow because of something that you've created yep. yeah that's and there cool. that's priceless yeah. that's why i do this yeah that's why i do can this. we talk a little bit about your sobriety <laughs> and you mentioned a couple times on during oh, yeah. the show things you've been through can we talk about that for a moment yeah i um it's, it's a pretty amazing story I, I got sober um august 19th 2004 uh was my last uh was my last drink and i got i got 
into it quick. Like I said, as we started, um, I alluded to, you know, having a problem with authority. Uh, from a young age, I was always looking for an out. I was always looking for something to get me out of me. And yeah. uh, as soon as I found um, alcohol, it was uh, that was the that, that was the uh, the tastemaker, and that paved the way for bigger and better things. But um, you know, I I went hard really really young, really early, and it wasn't because of a effed up family or I had a great mother and I had a great dad. You know, it yeah. was. They weren't around, so yeah. I could just kind of appeal to my own self, and um, I went at it hard. I climbed the I climbed the ladder of, of drug addiction pretty quickly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as soon as alcohol wasn't doing it, you know, it was crack cocaine. When crack cocaine wasn't doing it, heroin did it. When heroin wasn't doing it, you know, it was just always something. You else. cutting hair all along while doing? Oh it? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was living in the heyday whenever it was just. I mean. I would go do two clients and head straight to the bathroom and bang a bag of dope just to mm. even even right. myself out. I could yeah. never function. Maybe was it a time when the hair was a little not as important, like it kind of eighties haircuts, flock of seagulls, and it's okay to to be all you high know, and do that. I don't. It was uh, that era of hairdressing was it, hairdressing was still very glamorous and it mm-hmm. was still very chic and very you know now we use the word bougie, but at that time it was. Um, you know, a suit and tie to work and, yeah. you know, dealing yeah. with, you know, the wealthy of the wealthy of the yeah. Upper East Side. Yeah. And, you know, it was so it was very chic. It was uh, it wasn't. But I slowly or very quickly, very rapidly turned that from very chic to very disgusting mm-hmm. for myself. And, um, you know, my last uh, my last drink was actually on my mother's birthday. And um, I don't think she or I, you know, she passed away last year. Um, but up until that point, I don't, you know, whenever I did decide that that was my bottom, that I was done. Yeah. Um, thank God I quit then because I often think now if, if I don't think I would be here, I, well, I don't think, I know I wouldn't be here probably in the physical. Yeah. Um, not only in the spiritual mental aspect, but, uh, but yeah, it's a huge part of my personal growth and who I am. Uh, I wear my sobriety on my sleeve. I love Mm. talking about it. Um, I do a lot of outreach and service work with young juveniles and young kids that are, you know, having a problem understanding that this isn't a phase, you know, putting a, putting a spike in your arm. That's, that's not a phase. Yeah. You know, um, you see it a lot in your industry. I mean, you catch it a lot, like just, you do. Um, I mean, it's it's not just, it's everywhere. You know, it's like now it's just so socially accepted, Mm -hmm. you know, where when I was doing it it was still you had to hide in a bathroom and you were ashamed of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where now it's, you know, it's a just how many people can you fit into a stall? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's with the social acceptance of what's out there today. Yeah. It's it's terrifying. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I was getting high, it was, you know, you had to worry about the drug dealer putting baby powder or you know cornstarch in it now you got fentanyl, fentanyl and so, yeah. yeah yeah you know i mean there's no question i'd be mm-hmm. dead if you know i was still living that um that life of roulette yeah well you huge know? respect for you and what you've done that's yeah. that in itself is an amazing story and i, I assume that charlie and co and your career has filled the void that the drugs used to have for you but you've built such an incredible thing is that is this a, is a replacement for all those things you did back then in some way Interesting that you say that there's, uh, you know, as in recovery, 
you know, and through personal growth in recovery is, you know, for when I was using drugs and alcohol, I was filling that void with something, you know, and some people choose gambling, some people choose women, some people choose whatever it might be. Um, My uh, truly it, it, it gives me the open mindedness to want to help others. And like I just talked about Ryan and I talked about my team, Mm -hmm. it's the growth aspect that keeps me. That's keeps great. me going. I love seeing, yeah. witnessing growth and being a part of it. That's well, awesome. I mean, it sounds like you yourself have grown, right? You've witnessed. Oh it my yourself, gosh! So it's still continue like, to, like you a, know, like a reflection. Uh, yeah, where I'm embarking on a huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Price, who the heck is this other Charlie Price that's out there doing similar things to you? He's he's an incredible Charlie Price. Um, Charlie. There's Charlie Price Aveda and Charlie Price Sassoon. And Charlie Price Aveda is a a guy that well, he and I share the same name. We share the same industry. And we share a lot of the same clients. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Price is a incredible editorial hairdresser based out of Denver. He works all around the world. People often get us confused. But Charlie Price, the other Charlie Price, is bald and wears these beautiful... <laughs> black horn rim glasses so looks could not be more deceiving than the name um but it's kind of flattering to hold uh, a name with that charlie price as well you love to travel i know this yeah love traveling and you have also uh you're about to be a dad you're married to a lovely lady melissa and you're about to be a dad here in a few months correct yeah, yeah. congrats yeah. man thank you finally tricked one into marrying uh, me and yeah. tricked her into having my kid uh yeah i'm, I'm stoked uh july 31st we're gonna have uh, i'm gonna have my first son we're oh, gonna man, have a baby awesome. boy congratulations i just thought uh there was no question that a girl was in my future <laughs> um maybe she still is but we thought this first one was gonna year. be a uh we thought for sure that this was gonna be a girl and uh when i found out i was having a son i just was all right elated yeah so yeah um Melissa is 25 weeks pregnant. So, congrats. I like to think I know what I'm doing though. I've worked with women for the last 26 years, so yeah. I think I I think I know what I'm doing here. Oh, wait, those and, kids know, will royal you big yeah, time, I can't man. Wait. I can't, yeah, I can't wait. Last question before we get to the the, the end of this interview. You uh so it seems like you're a guitar lover. You we've seen a, we've seen a photo of you with a guitar. You're shirtless. How's the guitar the guitar playing coming along? Man, I can't even get through one single chord of a Jane's Addiction song. But uh, is that your big band? That's your fave? I love Jane's Addiction. Mm-hmm. They were they were. Were you fantastic. here when they came for the first Lollapalooza? No, I wasn't. Or the second? Yeah. No. Um, but no, that I know what you're talking about, and I know what you're alluding to, and <laughs> it was a. Um, my publicist was at my house and it was doing like a at home with Charlie Price and there was a um, there was a guitar sitting on my um, let's call it bedside table well one of my favorite guitar players John Vashanti signed it and it was just sitting there and it's I mean I don't put it in a big memorabilia case it's just there it's just you know, you do those guys here Red Hot Chili Peppers no but I mean God John's life and his mess of a life and you know his constant ups and downs he was just always just a legend in my mind so the the guitar was sitting next to my bed and my publicist is like yeah take take your shirt off i'm like my publicist is a male yeah and the photographer's female she's like yeah get in bed and you know grab one of those hats and put a hat on so i'm sitting in my bed 
with jeans on, with no shirt on, with a hat. Yeah. And they're, I'm acting like I can play the guitar because um, I can't play the guitar, although I wish I could. Yeah. Um, but there's a really good story about that, and this will be maybe our next episode. But I was uh, in Pittsburgh at a Steeler game, and I rented a house for my family, and our entire family is staying at this house. And I'm outside having my morning coffee on the stoop, as you do in Pittsburgh. And a homeless man walks by, and, you know, he just wanted to have conversation. So we yeah. started talking, and one or two minutes go by. He's like, what's one of your biggest regrets, Charlie? I said, oh, man, biggest regret. I never learned how to play the guitar. And he said, that's a regret? Just go inside and learn how to play guitar. Yeah. And he was right. You know, it's one of those things, like, although I might look at it as a regret, but uh, there's always time to, oh, yeah. to learn. But, uh, yeah, there is a photograph all over the place <laughs> of me in my bed playing guitar. Well That's cool. That's cool. Thanks for bringing so, that up, JW. Two You're quick welcome. questions. <laughs> what? One real quick one, Troy. So it, um, if you weren't doing this, what do you think you'd be doing job-wise? I'd be a dentist. Why? That's an awesome answer. Because I wouldn't have to talk to people. <laughs> Seriously, they could not talk back, right? Correct. Or they could try. I love what I do. I mm -hmm. love what I do creatively, technically, yeah. Yeah. my skill. You like drilling into but stuff Fridays, like that? Like, when I'm done with Fridays, I'm so done talking. Yeah. My wife knows nothing social on Fridays. <laughs> um, going out to dinner with friends, it's it's a feat. You know, you I I I love it. Yeah. That when I walk into a restaurant, people there know me. There's clients. I'm mm -hmm. meeting their husbands. I'm doing this. And, mm -hmm. You know, it's. But it gets really tiring. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. being on all the time. So to answer your question, I would be a dentist. And right I answer on. that quite. I still get to work with my hands. Yeah. Um, and people cannot it, speak back. And, That's really and, good. Yeah. And there's no conversation. There. Yeah. And you make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never been to the dentist yeah. and not have spent a couple grand. Yeah. So it's like, that's, I, I think I would <laughs> yeah. do it for the monetary value. <laughs> okay, last question. So we ask, uh, and no family, right? Just to keep it kind of tricky. Best day of your life. Wow. That was, uh, I mean, I couldn't not say when I found out that my wife was pregnant. Oh, that's a good I one. mean, yeah. I am 41. I always thought about what it would be like to be a father mm -hmm. um wow that's making me like emotional yeah yeah it's it's the day that i found out that i was going to be a father it's like it took me long enough but yeah you, you know now that it's here it was by far the best day that's a great of my answer. life you, you didn't mention the cutting Charlie charlie's theron's hair because i would have thought that'd be a pretty significant yeah that was, on, that was that was pretty fun you yeah. know she was uh at the height of her career right. then and all just, that just kidding no it's uh charlie price thank you for being here you've done an awesome job fort worth loves you dallas loves you whatever you're doing keep doing it brother we appreciate you yes. very guys, much thank you for thank having you. me thank Flattered you cap, to thank here, you, cap text bank for making all this happen we love yes you guys. thank you Roxo Media House.